Are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Welcome to episode 61 of the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's episode is called Danielle. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery, as well as our special guest, Danielle Joseph. Now, Danielle Joseph is best known around these parts for having rebranded our podcast and designed our podcast website, which you can go and peek at at soulfulmbapodcast.com. But Danielle is an entrepreneur in her own right. She's a brand stylist and web designer who runs Function Creative Co. out of the greater Toronto area. And in this episode, we discuss Danielle's transition from student to employee to entrepreneur, as well as get some tips and tricks from her on branding and design. We hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, so Danielle, we're excited to have you on the podcast today. We know you uh, because you are one of our designers and you're a colleague that we've gotten to know over the past couple of years and a branding strategist and designer who's immensely talented. We're really excited to bring you onto the podcast so that you can share some of your immense knowledge with our listeners. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. We're really excited to have you. This has been a long time coming. So before we get started with our questions, I just want folks to understand that your background is as a, as a brand designer and a web designer, but you also have your own sort of foot in the online business world as well. And so before we get into branding and design, I just would love it if you would share with our community what brought you into entrepreneurship and when did you first feel that calling? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think my calling for entrepreneurship started like way, 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 way long time ago. Like I was, I didn't really realize it until I started working for myself that I looked back on even my childhood being like, wow, I guess not all kids actually like set up spreadsheets as soon as they can get like use a computer to, you know, run a a tutoring business in high school or run. It was even before that it was in elementary school, even that I, you know, was doing dog walking or I was always trying to find ways that I could be in the boss world, like in control of kind of what I was doing. Um, and in control of my time too. I think that was always like a really important thing to me that I was aware of even as a child, weirdly. Um, but it it started really for entrepreneurship when I, I had graduated from university. I went through the whole kind of university thing and it was a five-year program and I did co-op and I, you know, got corporate experience and all this stuff. And it was wonderful. Um, I kind of call it like my transitional period when I was like a little bit too young to really be out there doing things on my own. And also, you know, it took me through to being a little bit more mature and and aware of how things work in the world and how to be, you know, critically looking at things and stuff like that. But um, once I graduated, I I kind of got right into working. I got a job very quickly after graduating um, because of my co-op program at my school and was able to work in a big, big corporation. which was wonderful. And my grandparents were very happy and proud of me. Um, but I, I just realized I was, I was there for about two and a half years. And in those two and a half years, I learned a lot. Um, but I just, I just knew that it wasn't something I was going to be able to stick with long-term. There's just politics of things that I just didn't, I could never wrap my head around and I just didn't feel good. I never, I didn't come home from work feeling good. And, 
Um, even now looking back on it, I'm like, I really didn't feel good because you shouldn't be crying after work. <laughs> That's yeah. not a good sign. But, um, but yeah, it was then where I was like, you know what, I need to make change. And I knew I always had, um, I, you know, I had applied even for art schools. Like I've always been very artistic and creative and I've always been kind of pulled towards design. And I had been doing some little design projects on the side for myself. And, um, I figured it was time, you know, to really implement that uh, and, and go back. So I went back to college for like a part-time certificate program to, to learn the actual programs and to really like get practical about, about what I was learning. University was very theory and I didn't get the practical tools. So I did that for two years while I was working at my job, uh, my full-time job. And once I was sort of almost finishing up that, I switched gears and I quit my job there and I went to a smaller business, a Canadian business, and I was their lead print designer. And I took a pay cut and it was scary. And, um, but I just knew it was just going to be a better situation for me while I was finishing up this certificate and, and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So that was where it all kind of started. I actually stayed there for, again, two more years while I was building Function, my design company on the side as well, which they were really happy to support too. And it was an awesome kind of relationship. And then I got to a crossroads where it was kind of like, I can stay and do this and keep kind of side hustling with my business or... I really need to make a conscious decision now to to take the leap. And I, it was terrifying as well, even when you're making such a kind of smooth transition. It was still really scary, but I knew I was at a point where I need to either focus on this full time and, and really grow it, or I need to stick it out and and keep going with this company. Um, and so I just, I just decided one day it was time and I talked to my manager and he was really cool about it. And, um, and yeah, he was like, what if we can't, you know, cause we had conversations about, you know, maybe you can work from home or work part time. And he was like, what if they won't like, they don't want that kind of structure. And I was like, then I have to leave. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, okay. <laughs> and he had to go back. And it ended up being really, really lovely. I helped them rehire someone and it was great, but that was where it really started. And that was two years ago, kind of right around this time. Um, so it's been two years of, of full time, kind of just on my own and building, um, building kind of an online business. Yeah. It's amazing. So a couple things there I want to unpack. First of all, Americans don't know what co-op is. I do <laughs> yes. because I'm like half Canadian at this point. Yeah. But it's basically an internship program, right? That's yes. part of your yeah. school that puts you in into a business. And Danielle, did you go to what university? I went to Waterloo. I knew you did. I went to Waterloo too. And only people that oh, yeah, the only that. people that say co-op and co-op terms are Waterloo. Yeah, so that's what it is. It's like an internship, but actually it was really great because Waterloo kind of requires people to pay you for those. So I made money while I worked and got experience. It's a longer program because nice. you have to, every second term you're working. But And what were you studying, yeah. Danielle? I studied arts and business. Do you want me to say my degree no, no, title? No, no, no. Okay, because it's like extremely long because basically Waterloo combines, um, you can take programs and add on business to each one. So there was like science and business, environment and business, arts and business. So I did um, an English rhetoric degree with business. Oh, that's so exciting. Mm -hmm. See, I would have thought you went to art school. So that's really surprising. A lot of people did. It was like the practical side of me that was like really wanted to go to art school and had applied to art school. And then I was like, man, I'm still too practical for my own good. And I still had to go to Waterloo and get the co-op in the business. (laughs) Yeah, no. So, so one thing I'm thinking is a lot of the folks in our community are obviously in wellness, but we we now have learned. I think we've been evolving over time. And so we have a community of listeners that are well beyond the wellness space at this point. And it's really interesting because I think most people don't know as early on that they're sort of drawn to entrepreneurship or starting their own thing. And so 
So you, but increasingly, like we do come in contact with people like us and like you who like knew instantly, Mm -hmm. like I want to make stuff and I want to sell stuff and I want to kind of own my life. And so, so I think that's awesome and sort of special sauce to get that head start. But I'm wondering, do you feel like because you came to this conclusion early on that that sort of helped you take that leap versus you know, did you feel like the longer you were staying in a corporate work environment, it was getting harder and harder to think about transitioning or vice versa? I did, I think, um, at some point. I think it really, that mindset, like I I don't think I ever really thought I would for sure have my own business. Like that wasn't something even in university that I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, And I think it sort of came to me, but then when I look back on my life, even before that, it was like always sort of there. Um, I always like say to like, I always laugh because when I, had to put my hand up in like high school, like grade 12, high school, whatever, um, to like go to the washroom and ask to go to the washroom. I was just like, you know, like, why do I have to ask to go to the bathroom? You know, like, so it was like always that little bowl was there. Um, But I think it, uh, the reason it sort of like, I think kind of snowballed into that um, was that I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want to feel more and more, I don't want to use the word like stuck, but for the point that I was in my life, I was living in a city, renting a small apartment um, during that time. And then also in that process, like moving in with my now fiance, and we still were renting, we still had like pretty low risk. And so I was like, you know what, this is like the best time for me in my life situation to do this now. So that if it does crumble and fall, or if I fall flat on my face, then it's very still low risk. I don't have to like pay a mortgage. I don't have family or something right now. But that being said, I am not a risk taker. I'm like 0% risk taker. And it's, it's put me out of that part of entrepreneurship puts me out of my comfort, um, like my comfort zone quite a bit. Um, so even the way I transitioned, I feel like I still did it pretty safely. I made sure that I like saved up enough over those four years that I was kind of figuring it all out. Um, and even my transition from like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to just leave corporate and go di- dive into just being my own full-time designer. I wanted to really work at a place that already has designers working at it and see if that's something that I actually really do want to do before I take that leap. So I think I still did the transition pretty um, safely. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people who get like laid off of their jobs and then it's just like, boom, you need to make a decision. Mm-hmm. I was lucky and I got to kind of smoothly transition. So I think just the timing in my life and also just playing it a little bit safe, um, that's what kind of propelled me into it. So that I think that's so interesting because you know, there's probably so many people out there listening that are in a job that they're maybe not so happy at, maybe they don't see a long mm-hmm. future at, but they want to take that jump and do something, you know, different. But the fear, the fear is just there. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to people who are feeling fear about a big transition? So I think the biggest thing with fear, like I was really scared. I'm not like, I tried to have conversations with that company that I was working at with being like, you know, maybe I can like work part-time for you guys while I do this. And like, maybe I can work from home. And it was the structure of the way the company was going. Like it was nothing personal. I knew against me doing that, but it just wasn't going to work for the support they needed in that role. Um, but I did try, I tried cause that was my fear speaking being like, I, I don't know if I can do this full time and survive on my own. Um, but I think like people who are in those situations, like I've learned, I think over the years to really sit with my fear and be like, okay, is this like, don't like, don't freaking do this fear. Or is this like, I'm really excited, but terrified, but really excited. And I need to do it. Cause I, and I've learned to sort of like differentiate that and sit with it a bit. Like I said, I sat with it for almost like probably four years between like deciding to get the certificate of 
going to, to practically or get the practical kind of side of my design education. And then between that happening and full-time entrepreneurship was about four years. Um, so I sat with the fear for a long time, but, um, but yeah, you just kind of can differentiate, I think between that, like, I really do Mm want to do this and this is something that I want to pursue. And the other thing too, is like, if you can build up those kind of support systems and you can really kind of make it as, you know, as, as least risk focused as you want it to be. Like if you are in a position where you have support that you can take that risk or, you need to make that decision right now and you just that's that's what it feels like you need to do then i think that's great um otherwise there's like lots of ways i think that you can kind of set yourself up to be like a little bit cushioned when you do take that leap uh, so that it's not it's not terrifying you don't feel like you're gonna just jump and not you know, be caught tara sophia moore talks about those two different kinds of fears have you read her book plain big I, it's literally on it's my so list good. and i'm it's like I'm, i need to yeah, read I need it to i haven't it. read it for about a year I think I have it on hold at the library because I have a library card yeah, still. So I'm waiting for it to come available. But there's two Hebrew words, right? Jenny? Yeah, she That's... has two. Yeah, she actually explains the two words. And um, of course, I don't remember them now because this is catching no, me they're sort hard of to... out of nowhere. <laughs> but it's it's really a beautiful way to distinguish between those two fears. Like the one that is the butterflies in your stomach yeah. fear. Like, you know, it's a risk, but you really want it mm-hmm. and you're just sort of afraid to take that next step versus like the intuition saying don't do this and they're they're so like historically and culturally I think that there's this recognition that these two kinds of fears are are out there and that we just use the same word for them in our in our language yeah, we yeah have, in English we don't we should have different words yeah we should have different yeah. words because they're totally different yeah they are different so who were your first clients when you made that jump where did you find those first paying clients my first clients probably came mostly from like friends and family that's when my first I first started getting paid for the work I was doing in some capacity, um, and then this is so this is a really funny actually story. But like my first big paying like actual client that wasn't a friend or a family, I found on oh, Reddit. Like awesome. I was on Reddit and they were looking for a designer, and I was like, oh well, like I'm a designer, and I messaged him, and he was just like, yep. And I did like the website and the brand. Like it was it was a big project that I took on just from like from Reddit. So I think that was like social media was a big thing at the beginning, I think for me, because it was sort of trickling out from my friends and family and the word was sort of getting out that way. Um, and then I just, yeah, I stumbled across that funny Reddit post and that kind of started like the whole, the whole, oh, this is my process and this is how I'm going to work with clients. Yeah, that's cool. I want to just say publicly that I absolutely adore your style and your work. And that's why we had you you do our rebrand for uh, soulful MBA podcast. And I often reference you on this podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard me say, and Danielle Joseph does this so well. You have to tell me which episodes. I'm making my way from the bottom up, so. Oh, you're not there yet. Yeah, we didn't know you back then. Um, But your style is so clean and minimal and pretty and professional. And I would just love to know, like, where it is, who who influences you as for style? Like, who do you follow? So Pinterest, I'm like a big Pinterest person. And I I literally, I don't know how people ask me all the time how I have almost 20,000 followers, I think on Pinterest. And I don't know how I don't know how because for the first bunch of years that I was using it, I was just pinning things that I liked. And I didn't even have it wasn't even tied to my business. It was like my personal account. Um, But I've always been kind of browsing and I always like to see kind of what people are gravitating towards and things like that. Um, my like my personal design inspiration and the people that I admire, I can name because I Brienne uh, at Rowan Maid, I just love what she does all the time. She's she's wonderful. 
and um and jamie at spruce road i always love her style she's got a very like pattern-esque like almost illustrative style for a lot of her brands but um i love what those two are doing all the time and i really i really do look up to them um and yeah i think like just like i'm i'm kind of on pinterest quite a bit looking at that and just even instagram like i'm scrolling if i'm scrolling i'm always kind of looking at um I'm always kind of just like looking at general themes and trends and things that I'm seeing. And it might not be like an actual design post, but like even, you know, people who are posting about their homes or like nice living rooms that people are posting about, or there's always things to pull, I think, from, from what's happening in the world. And, um, and specifically right now, I just, I feel really almost bombarded all the time because I am immersed in it all the time that, and I'm sure like not, maybe not everyone who's going through all this every day. Um, but I just do. I like minimal, simple, like cutting to the chase kind of design that's not fluffy or um, it's not causing people to do more work than necessary. Because we're all, everyone's like running around with like they've chickens with their heads cut off and trying to figure out, you know, like what to pay attention to and what not to pay attention to. And so the best way that I can do that in like a minimal kind of nice way and professional way is, is what I try and gravitate towards when I'm designing. And what I often say about you is like you show up on social as yourself and your style is very distinct. Uh, we get to know you by watching your stories and by what you post in, on um, on your feed on Insta. And I think you do that so, so well. It feels very authentic. It doesn't feel, you know, forced and contrived and created. Um, and I would love to know, because you are on there a lot, I would love to know how you organize yourself um, for your postings like how do you plan I know you're a big systems kind of planning person how do you how do you plan out your social what you're going to do each day and and what one more question did you get that dog just because it works so perfectly in a square image on Instagram I know he's such a perfect little like brand asset to my business Mm-hmm. He really is. <laughs> he fits in really, very nicely, Bruce. 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 Yeah, he's a chihuahua, and he fits in very nicely with the color palettes and everything that I'm using. Exactly. <laughs> but, and your blankets, and your couch, and your clothing, and your watch. Like, I know it's so funny. I call him my little design intern. He really does. Uh, he's my little accessory. <laughs> um, but no, I wish I had a strategy for this, and I wish I had a really good answer for this. But I do. I just, first of all, for Instagram specifically, I do try and just show up when I feel inspired to show up. I don't have, um, I don't really have like a content planner or like I've got, sometimes I'll write down a list of like ideas about things that I, that I'm inspired to share. Like while I'm kind of going through my day, I'm like, Oh, I can, you know, I should share that process or I should share that, um, that information with, with them. But yeah, Instagram specifically is really, I kind of just show up when I feel like I have something to say um, or, or share. And it's sort of just a mix of, um, I think that's like a really good place out of all my social media to get a good grasp on, on just like me as, as the person designing behind function creative co, because I'm always sharing, you know, I'm making pottery and it has nothing to do with my brand and web design, but this is what I'm doing today. And, um, and yeah, I think I, I wish I had like a bit more, I'm sure I probably even have more growth and all this other stuff. If I had a strategy in place, and maybe one day I will, but right now I just use it mainly to, to show kind of behind the scenes. And I really kind of just show up there when I'm, when I am, when I'm feeling inspired to say something. And then when it comes to the other platforms, I don't spend too much time on like on Facebook or Twitter, um, Pinterest, I'm constantly browsing and using even for inspiration or for brand projects, um, even web design projects actually as well. But I'm on there a lot just for kind of business reasons and browsing. 
Um, but yeah, like Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, I don't really spend too much time on those for business and basically whatever feeds into my Instagram generally will feed into that. Um, based on using, I use like if this, then that.com, I F T T T.com. And it kind of feeds those channels for the people who are following around along who may not be on Instagram. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. Okay, Daniel, I want to get some strategy questions in since you're talking about this stuff. So do you have a sense, like, do you look at your, I'm sure you do look at your Google Analytics Mm -hmm. to figure out like what percentage of your traffic comes from Pinterest, given that you have such a big following? Mm -hmm. It is a big, uh, it is a big percentage. I do get a lot of traffic from Pinterest. I am going to say, I was just actually looking yesterday at like, direct and social traffic. And then it breaks down into Pinterest. And I'm going to say like Pinterest is probably responsible for maybe like 20% of like the site. Of your overall. Yeah, traffic. overall. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, social, like, cause I was actually literally just looking at this yesterday because I was interested because I do have a social media scheduler that I use for Facebook and Twitter specifically. And I was wondering if it is even worthwhile. Like I was just like, am I? We just canceled ours. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm really feeling a pulse. We just, so just, we just not. got out of it. <laughs> I think it's like, I've heard of like five people I know in the online business huh. space now just being like, this year we're turning off the schedulers because it's it doesn't work anymore like it's not the way like because things aren't like the algorithms defeat the purpose of the Mm -hmm. schedulers now it really does defeat the purpose and I was like is it really driving people there and then all my whole philosophy about just like not having fluff put out like I don't want to contribute to just like annoying noise on the internet and so I'm I'm glad to hear that. That might actually like really push me to to do it because I was just like I don't I don't even like this. So, um, so yeah, that's what I was thinking about uh, for social media. So I was looking at it and it like Facebook, Twitter, like there's not very much yeah. coming from yeah. that. And generally, people are finding me through Pinterest. People on Instagram are following along and they've been kind of more invested in my brand and my business. So they're they're interested in what I'm posting that way. Um, and then just like Google and people finding me yeah. directly and being sent to my website. So I just, yeah, I, I'm glad to hear you guys did it too. Cause I was really thinking about that last night. I was like, eh. we're just like, why are we doing yeah. Like, I don't, I don't even want to look at any of the stuff no. that's going out and I can tell, you can tell who's no. posting with, yeah. with yeah. a robot. And I looked in our Google analytics last week and saw that we were getting more traffic from pocket than from Twitter. And I was like, what is, <laughs> what pocket? is pocket? We don't even know what it is. What is that? Like, we definitely shouldn't even engage on Twitter if pocket, whatever the F that mm-hmm. is, is giving us more traffic. Yeah. Well, it, it's like a place <laughs> for people to save blog posts. So yeah. it's fine. But, yeah. you know, it's it's just like we we use Twitter to sort of stay connected to other founders mm-hmm. and, and sort of direct message and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's not in any way to drive traffic to our site or to interact with our client base or anything. So I think it's, it's important to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so first of all, I love that. I think you should teach like a Pinterest course. I know. I've had so many people tell me how to build a following by being an interesting artistic person with yeah. taste, right? So um, the other question I was thinking of as, you know, because we are also like, I feel like we're we're sort of friends and we're mm-hmm. colleagues, but I also feel like we, you know, we've come to you as clients. And the the sort of burning question I have for you as a designer 
that I think is relevant to a lot of our listeners is like, what do you wish that your prospective clients or clients sort of knew and or had in place before they reach out to a designer? Mm. Because I always like both in our relationship with you and with other designers and other sort of folks at, at your level that we work with, I always feel like I don't even know what to say. I, I feel yeah. so unprepared to work with you. And mm-hmm. um, and I, I it's amazing to me that you take this sort of very loose idea <laughs> that someone gives you and you turn it into the exact right thing. And so I really want folks to understand, including us, like what does a designer wish that their prospective clients had prepared or were doing sort of in the background as they're thinking about starting to build their brand and and, and reach out to, to folks like you? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, and I think the main thing when it comes specifically to branding, and most of my clients, I do work through a branding bit before we get to the web design. Um, sometimes it's on Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's um. Sometimes it is just we do web design if they if they have a solid brand in place already, and I feel like that's something that we can already work with. But like ninety percent of the time, we're going through a brand process. So when we're starting with brand, the one thing that's like so helpful, um, and you guys had it. It was you might not think you did, but you do. Um, and it's also partly, I think, to say too, the designer's responsibility to do do that digging a little bit too. Like it's part on you as a client and part on me as a designer to really understand what's happening before we dive into the visuals. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really about brand clarity. That's like the main thing that I wish that kind of every client had sorted out um, prior to, to diving into a design project. Because what happens if you are really unclear about your, even your business direction or your brand? Um, and when I say brand, I mean more about like, clarity around like who you want to be working with. Um, and it is like, that's, that's also kind of my responsibility is to take what you're telling me and put it into like some nice pretty profiles and, and descriptions and things like that. But, um, but yeah, like having a really solid idea about who you want to be working with and what are you actually going to be selling? I can't like, there's lots of clients who I've worked through a process and actually have like changed complete business models or their mind like halfway through. And it's, that's the kind of stuff that really delays projects and ends up costing a lot more because if we don't have that solid foundation first, um, it's just really hard to do the rest. So that's why this past year I've really changed up my process on doing like, it's pretty much any client that's coming on, we are doing a bit of strategy and foundation work first. It's never that I'm just diving into designing a logo or a color palette or a brand without understanding all of that clarity and that business direction and your goals and things like that first. Um, and then when it comes to web design, it the one thing too to, that I think everyone should try and understand too, a little bit better even designers, is that we need to figure out a process to get our clients on board with content before we're even getting to the point of needing to get the content. Um, so we need you guys thinking about, you know, like your photos and the copy that you want to write, because all of that stuff works in conjunction with a web design or a brand design. All of that is complementing it. It's not just one or the other, because I can't build, I mean, I can build a really wonderful website for you that's going to function great. But if you put terrible, like, pictures on it, then, you know, I can't help you. Um, so yeah, those are the two things like brand clarity. And, and then for web direction, like the, just starting to think about content really early on. Um, and generally, clients need to work through some kind of branding process before they can get that content really nailed down as well. So it's kind of like maneuvering and fitting everything into a timeline, but getting that upfront. 
And you have a brand planner. I mean, I just I also do. want to plug that you yeah. have, you've created a product to help folks yes. do this work, which I think mm-hmm. is really important. Um, I mean, I just want to say for our listeners, like we sent you a Pinterest board that had like <laughs> black water bottles and like outdoor fireplaces and a poster that said what would olivia pope do and like i have no idea how you took that it was like alchemist and you like took these things and you turned it into our brand and we're like yes exactly and i don't have a brain that does that so to me that's this like for the folks who are on the fence or you know thinking like oh i can just do this myself i just want to push the plug for hiring a professional for this is we've we just did this whole podcast about like why you should think twice about hiring a virtual assistant we, you know like it was called insourcing and this is the this is like the reason you hire someone else like when somebody has this genius that you actually don't have and mm-hmm. this is one of those instances where like we don't we're like a fireplace that like a crown that's what we are and then you're like no here here's no. what you are and I know I, I remember that, like, I, I don't comments. know I don't think that many people possess this kind of talent so thank you I'm glad but that is that is a role like that's what I take as my responsibility too in that um and I I even say to my clients like it's not even necessary I if you have a Pinterest board going or you want to, if that you're a visual person and that helps you with the process, then hundred percent do it and send me the link. Um, but sometimes I don't even like, I'll tell them if they're like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know. Then I'm just like, don't worry then about that. Like I'm going to, we'll work through it together, but it is, it's my kind of role then to listen to sometimes disjointed and a whole bunch of things and then organize it in a way that's really effective and can be translated into design. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. I I also want to say that your process, like working with you as a professional, like the process from beginning to end was just superb. And I favorite thing is after we're done, we get a package in the mail with a brand yeah. book. So it's wonderful. Oh, like, so yeah. What? So that's the other thing is like I was so happy to get it because it's beautiful <laughs> and it feels really special to me. And I was like, that's nice. I'm gonna put this on my shelf. I mm-hmm. actually use this every day. Like I carry it around with my laptop. Anytime I'm doing any work on our podcast because I don't memorize the color codes and stuff Mm -hmm. like I just it's just like I use it's literally like everywhere I go. And and so I just also think that you're brilliant for doing that, because if you had said, do you guys want me to like bind this for you and send it? I would be like, no, I don't need that. It's cool. But I love Mm -hmm. that it's like like this tactile thing. So I don't have to Mm -hmm. go look in my notes on my computer to look anything up about the brand. That makes me happy. Yeah, it's a really great way to wrap up the the relationship, like that transaction. It was just, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah I love our. Good. I'm so, so it makes me really you. happy that yeah. they're on your desk because I keep doing that too, and I'm. Oh yeah. I'm like constantly. The reason I even started doing that is because you know what? I have so many PDFs filed away yes. somewhere of like business things, and I just don't look at them again. And yeah. I'm constantly doing things where I need my own color codes and fonts and da da da, and I have mine on my desk too. Like it's just hmm. so much better to have it easily referenced. Yeah. And for folks who don't yeah, know what we're awesome. talking about, we will um, we'll link to this somehow. We'll, we'll take a picture of it and link to it. Danielle made us basically a bound book that has our entire brand assets, like. our strategy yeah. basically in a book and sent and it to each of us. Also how to use it. Yeah, like, it's so helpful. When you use what size font and what, you know, we have three different fonts and when to use it. Like it's because I would forget that you told us that. And I know. Yeah. Gone. So it's super <laughs> yeah, great. I'm so. glad. All right. Thank you, Danielle. Do you want to wrap this up? We've got a couple more questions for you. Um, So we usually run through a quick questionnaire called Proust Questionnaire. Mm -hmm. 
which you don't know about, so you're going to have to just quickly wing it. One word answers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, what is your greatest fear? Greatest fear? Um, being put on the spot. <laughs> just kidding. Ah, um, no, go. my greatest fear is probably uh, living a life that I just don't want to be in. That's that's my greatest fear. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my fear too. What is your greatest extravagance? Oh, manicures and pedicures. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. And you always joke about your cheap nail polish on Insta too, which makes me laugh so hard because there's no like perfection None. here. It's great. Um, which words or phrases do you most overuse? Um, honestly and literally. And um, those are three. Yeah. <laughs> where would you most like to live? Oh, I think where I live, but with warmer weather, if that was possible. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Canada with yeah. warm weather. Yeah. What do you most value in your friends? I value, um, I don't know what the word is. I can say it in the phrase, but I value friends who, who, uh, don't need me all the time. Not needy, but like I value friends who are just there and I know that they're there and they know I'm there always. What book are you reading right now? I'm reading Worth It. Oh my gosh. Who's the author? It's the, Oh, I forget it. But I know it. Yeah. I don't know the author, but it's about money. It's about women and money. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Who is your hero of fiction? Harry Potter, um, Hermione. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say Harry, someone in Harry Potter, yes. Hermione. Yeah. Hermione, yes. Uh, and what is your motto? Motto. Do you have a motto? I, I think my motto, my motto comes from my mom, actually. I have a tattoo on my foot, so I shouldn't forget it. But it's, it's let it be. It's just let it be and do, like, do the work, let it be kind of thing. Don't stress. Nice. Beautiful. Thank you, Danielle. Do you want to end it with a joy and hustle, Jenny? Yeah. Danielle, you get to pick the joy and hustle. <laughs> It's your episode. Nice. Okay. Okay. So my, okay. Can I do two, one joy that you can't really link to? So it doesn't like my one joy right now though, that you can't link to is my library card. And it sounds so silly and so juvenile, but like, no, it's not silly. It is not silly. I have a whole Instagram post that I'm going to write about the library. So it is not silly. Oh my gosh. I get to put a book on hold on the computer and then go pick it up. It's wonderful. Um, so my library card, but then my linkable one, I think, um, my joy right now is actually a thing called chef's plate. And it's, it's where I get my, we get like weekly meals delivered to us in the broken out quantities of recipe, like the recipes broken out. And I've just realized how great it is to actually outsource something that might not be in your business. And it's, mm-hmm. we've been doing it for probably like three months now. And we kind of intended on just trying it and it's been amazing. How many meals a week does it have? So we do four, you can do like two to four, I think. So this is a Canadian thing, huh? I bet it's only in Toronto. Chef's plate, I think, is Canadian, but there's things called like um, I think like Blue Apron yeah. and Hello Fresh. States. I don't know. Those so are American. Like, yeah. Yeah. And Sun Basket yeah. and Purple Carrot, and there's a yeah. lot of U.S. ones. So Sandy, you have to try yeah. this one. Sandy's always complaining that she doesn't have access to this stuff. I think it's all over Canada now. They're in the Maritimes. Get out. Yeah. In the Maritimes, yeah, really? In the Maritimes, they must be there. Yeah. <laughs> what are the Maritimes? East Coast. Oh, are those the ones I want to live on, Sandy? You know, Halifax, Newfoundland, PEI. Jenny wants to buy property in oh, PEI. Yeah. It's so, so beautiful. My dad just actually did that. I'm so into it. <laughs> it's okay, so good. and what is your hustle? So this is business kind of related. Um, so I think I think for entrepreneurs and online entrepreneurs, people who would be listening, the one thing that I always say to entrepreneurs in general is it would be so valuable for you to invest and learn either one of like Photoshop or Illustrator or InDesign. Like if you just subscribe to one of them, and could like just learn the bare minimum of doing that. Like my job as a designer would be super, like much easier because I could pass off templates and you'd be able to change out just words and maybe an image um, based on a template. 
but also you just be able to create and edit your own images. And that saves a lot. And do you teach this, Danielle? Hmm. I should. Because I (laughs) I feel like every time I get a file that's an Illustrator file in particular from any designer, Mm -hmm. I open it and I like destroy it within two seconds because I just, it's so overwhelming the number of buttons that I have to click. And I, and and I'm like not afraid of software, obviously. So I just start Mm -hmm. clicking stuff. Then I just give up because I don't know what to do. And I look, I try to watch the like, Adobe tutorials and I can't stand them. And so I think there's an opportunity for you there. Yeah, I should teach it. I wish I had some basic skills in Illustrator, but I can't handle Mm -hmm. it's a big program. They're all very big programs and very diverse. But I think the bare minimums, like if we could teach those to everyone, it would be so helpful. I totally agree. And I think there's an opportunity for you there. Yeah. Yes, Danielle, I happen to know some software that you could teach on. Yeah. I'm going to I happen to know that. Mm-hmm. Also, my son is in grade 7 and he's taking graphic arts and they're learning mm-hmm. Illustrator. So we are very good. His, that makes me really Maybe happy. his first job. Yeah. And you know yeah, what? If so it's if, if Illustrator and all that stuff is too complex and it's just a big like, you know, until I teach it, you want to wait. Um yes. Canva the the work version where it's like I think it's like $13 yeah. a month. I can't even remember we what live it is right now, that. but that even yeah, that's worth it's it. Worth it. It's, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's totally worth yeah. it. Although I want to be awesome. able to edit Illustrator files. So please, like, I just want like a 25 minute. These are like highlighting the the buttons I need to learn and I'll learn those buttons mm-hmm. and like how to change a font. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I like destroy the logo. I just destroy <laughs> it. On Creative Market, last year when we were doing our social media summer camp, I bought all these like camp-themed illustrations and I opened them, mm-hmm. of course, Illustrator files, and I opened them up and just like, they were just ruined. <laughs> like, I was like, why do I ever just buy anything on Creative it. Market? I know. <laughs> they're complex. They're, they're, they're very, very de- like robust yeah. programs, but I think there is a basic, maybe I'll do a basic workshop on how to just get by you with should. it. <laughs> We'll send everyone yeah, yeah, to it. Should, should. Okay, yeah. well, thank you so much for your time, Danielle. We love your work. We love working with you. And thank you for sharing your insights with our community. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. Thanks, Danielle. See you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample. Soulful MBA.